Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact retromaniapodcast at gmail.com. Hey everybody, and welcome to Catching Up with Kobe and Dave, presented to you by the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, a retrospective pro wrestling podcast network where we romanticize, fantasize, watch, and review your favorite or not-so-favorite storylines, matches, events, and or feuds from your pro wrestling past. But this show, Catching Up, is talking about the present day of June uh, 2021, and I am joined here with the deer killer, Dave Rosenbluth. <laughs> Dave, what's going on, man? Wow. <laughs> Sorry, that I have was to... not in the format. All right, you know, well, well, like you know, we, we, you know, let's catch up with that. Break uh, the fourth Dave... wall for a little bit here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I uh, I got into a car accident. I'm fine. Uh, just got my truck back recently, but um, I killed a deer on the way home from work one night. And luckily, I have a a, a, a beautiful Ford F one fifty. Now explain how how it went down. So. Us. So you know, I, I work I work in a prison and I work you know you know crazy shifts. So I was working a double from first to second, and uh, you know I had to work a double the next day, another first to sh- second shift. So um, I was coming home. It was like 12:30 at night, and I live about like 45 minutes to an hour from where I work. And the the, the stretch of highway that I was driving on was uh, pretty dark. There's no lights. So uh, about 50 yards away, I'm going pretty fast. I'd say I'd probably go 75, 80. I got a heavy foot. I'm not going to lie. And I see a deer shoot across the highway. I'm in the right lane, and he goes into the woods. So on the left-hand side, I see this second deer, and it's got its two front legs on the Jersey barrier as if it's going to go on the other side of the road. So I think, okay, I'm clear. I can, you know, make this. And I'm driving, and the deer gets in. The deer turns around, says, oh, shit, let me go follow my friend. Turns around. As he's headed towards my car, then he goes back towards um, the other side, you know, where the Jersey barrier was, where he was before. But then he changed his mind again, and then thinking that I cleared him, boom, I nailed him. Hit him so hard, he spun, hit my driver's side door, and then I ran over him with the back tire. Uh, I I pulled over maybe about a half mile down the road because there was a a couple of cars behind me. And I looked and I saw that I had some damage front end, you know, quarter panel, driver's side. Driver's side door couldn't even get out. I had to pop the door out uh, because it was he he bent it in so so deep into the the front quarter panel that um, I couldn't get out. So I had to bust out of that. uh, You know, like, like I said, I'm good. Everything's good physically. I had no issue with it. I wasn't shaken up. The only thing I was worried about was being able to make it to work on time because I had just gotten off probation at the new job, and I was, you know, trying. I wasn't trying to take time off. Now, keep in mind, you got off probation. You are not a convict there. Um, no, no, correctly. Yeah, yeah, let's be clear. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. On pro- I'm on probation for work purposes, not for. Yeah, it, I'm not. I'm not bunking with nails. Okay, like let's make that clear. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Where's the big boss man? <laughs> no, that's not the case. I work But alas you you are okay, the deer did not survive. The deer did the job. Like like if we wanna circle this back because I like to circle it back in wrestling terms, this this deer Barry Horowitz itself on Route Two in, in uh Moodis, Connecticut. Okay? Oh, Let's man. Just, Set the scene right there, okay? Like, this deer did the ultimate job. This was a squash match, if you will. 
No pun intended, of course. Wow. Um, but yeah, I'm good. We've, we're, we're, we're catching up. It's June. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about. There's a lot of things that have happened since we since we spoke last. A lot yes, has indeed. gone down in, in the current day wrestling world, if you will. Oh, yes. So I'm really looking forward to diving deep into all the things that we want to discuss here on Catching Up for the month of June. Absolutely. And like you said, a lot of moving parts. Uh, uh, it seems to be playing chess rather than checkers at this point um, with rumors of WWE working with MLW, uh, working with New Japan. We talked about the MLW relationship on last episode um, of catching up with you and I in the month of May, which you can find in the archive over at Retromania podcast uh, by searching Retromania with a W on any podcasting platform, um, Spotify, um, Podbean is our home, so the whole archive is there, and we have an illustrious archive which Dave is a part of with Kicking Out at Two. Dave, you want to tell everybody besides killing deers what you're doing <laughs> in the land of Kicking Out at Two? You know, uh, it's 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 been it's been busy as usual. Always trying to bring out fresh content each and every week. I'm on a hot streak for the last couple of years. Uh, I'll be honest with you, almost didn't make it recently uh, due to some scheduling, but. Um, the most recent show that we have up currently is Pandemic Pro Wrestling, where I kind of ditched the retro format for the week, and I discuss what I liked and what I didn't like about the most unique era in all of professional wrestling. You know, there's the Attitude Era, there's the PG Era, the Golden Age, uh, you know, Ruthless Aggression, Reality, you know, you can, you can talk about all different eras of wrestling, territories, uh, but... The COVID-19 pandemic, and we've talked about this before, changed wrestling in so many different ways, for the for, some for the better and some for the worse. So I discussed my hits and misses, what I liked, what I disliked about professional wrestling as a whole during the pandemic. Talk about Roman Reigns' character change, talk about cinematic matches, talking about um, you know the, the women's wrestling talking about the, the, the Thunderdome setting, what I didn't like about the, the uh, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, the Performance Center, the empty arenas. Talk about all that and so much more with Pandemic Pro Wrestling, the latest show dropped, available in the Retromania archives by searching Retromania with W on Podbean and all the podcast platforms available. Awesome stuff. Yeah, and like you said, um, we're getting into the stage of where the, the there's no more pandemic era, quote unquote. Um, yeah, we get the fans coming the back. Um, yeah, and and speaking of fans coming back in like a big uh, area that we just saw, double or nothing. Let's let's cover that first. Yeah, um, because that was the the you know the latest installment of AEW since we've talked about them last. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a big event event, and the fans returned. Um, yep. and it made a it made a huge difference overall. Um, honestly, you felt like you you felt those those moments of um, uh, you know the, of wrestling memories and nostalgia, but it's also you know because of the fans' reaction to everything, and we got yeah. to see who was actually over and who's not over, and what Correct. really passed and didn't pass. Um, so, I mean, wh- what were your overall thoughts before we start getting match to match? I kind of like WrestleMania, but a little bit more amped up. It was it was a feel good night of wrestling. First of right. all, I'll say I didn't get a chance to watch it live. I was working um, with my crazy work schedule, and I know that you and I kind of converse, text back and forth a little bit, and trying to get a link. And I was trying to find a live link to watch it, and you know I had a, I had a pretty full couple of days. So um, I actually just at the time of this recording, Monday morning, 
June the 7th, 2021. I just finally finished watching it. Um, I was able to get a, a link on Daily Motion. And I'll be honest with you. Fucking Daily Motion with the advertisements. Holy cow. Like I can, <laughs> like more more ads than a fucking Conrad Thompson podcast. I'd rather listen to commercials for refinancing your home than listen to or, or go through ads. Just random bullshit. I couldn't even tell you what these ads were. But there were so many of them during this. I, I It took me longer than it should have to watch. But overall, it felt it was just a feel-good night of wrestling. Um, the crowd definitely helped. You, you saw who was over and who wasn't. To me, it felt like a reunion show. Like, mm. almost kind of like what ECW One Night Stand felt like in 2005. With the audience okay. just being so excited and hyped to... Possibly to, even the fo- the first All Out. Yeah, even yeah, you could even say that too as well. All you know, or all in. Uh, I'm in sorry, Chicago. all in. I'm yeah, sorry. All in, all out, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. in and out burger. Yeah, you know, all that good stuff. Yes. Um, but yeah, no. What it, a burger! Yeah, <laughs> but it just had a good feel feeling to it. The energy, the vibe, um, and we'll go through you know my my feelings you know match by match as we discuss it. But um, it was it was very cool to see a full audience in attendance at a wrestling show on a big stage, pay per view, double or nothing. It helped make the matches. It overall, I didn't feel like there was a bad match on the card, and I think the audience played a big part in that. Were some matches better than others? Absolutely, but I think, I think like WrestleMania, at the end of the day, what it was really all about for me was the audience, and and I'll get into each match when it comes to the audience as well. But that for me, I just felt reunion show style feel, the energy, the vibe. It was just it was it was good to be a wrestling fan. Cool to watch that show, and I'll go on record to say is. Definitely on par for being pay-per-view of the year for 2021. And I know the bar is pretty low because we've had a lot of, you know, limited attended or closed set pay-per-views in the last few, you know, the, the last year or so. But double or nothing 2021, they it, it really, it really stands out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I feel the same way. And I had been down on AEW for a while, and I think it was because of the pandemic era. And like you say, there, there's a, I think there's an old... Um, there's an old phrase that say, you know, like the wrestling people say, like the audience, you are, you are the superstars, you are the the thing that matters in wrestling, and it, that rings true throughout this whole show. Um, uh, definitely a must see for me. Um, yeah, because I watched it on delay, and typically I'm not too interested in the AEW stuff, um, and. Yeah, I kept watching, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to check it out for the end." Um, but yeah, we'll get into that as we go match through match. The first match is Serena Deeb going against Riho uh, for the NWA Women's Championship. What'd you think about that? I I didn't catch the whole match in full. I caught clips of it. Um, I'll be honest with you, the 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 camera angles and the 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 production, the positioning were. You know, they were shooting. I felt like the sun, because it was still daylight during that point, was a big distraction in the match for oh, me. Okay. Just uh, during that match, because it was still bright out. People were still coming in. They were still, you know, shuffling people into the building. Um, no disrespect to the talents in general, but I was really distracted by the fact that um, 
the sunlight was very prevalent during the match. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've said this before. Outdoor wrestling events are one of my big, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big on outdoor wrestling. And, uh, you know, they had WrestleMania in California a number of years ago. And it's still one of my favorite shows to watch because of the fact that it was outdoors during the day instead of like the usual nighttime. But I felt like because they were in an amphitheater and there was a pavilion covering, but there was the sides that were open, the sunlight beamed in and it just kind of took away from the match, I feel. I can agree um, that it was a strong match for me. Um, I think it was it was one of the better um, matches on the card as far as like, you know, move for move and psychology and both giving a, a, a really good showing there. Uh, uh, Serena Deeb making Riho tap out to the Serenity Lock and retaining the NWA championship, women's championship. Um, but yeah, that's a thing with me with AEW constantly that I've said throughout uh, our catching up episodes is the camera angles. They're, they're continuously kind of off or they're shooting something else that's, that's distracting you from what we should be seeing, you know? Um, and maybe that goes for everybody's learning here. You know, I, I, I don't know, but I, it wasn't a bad match. Um, moving on the next match on the card Adam Page and Brian Cage. Um, the names are tricky here. So Page Cage, then there's a Christian Cage, and then there's a um, Rage in the Cage. Rage in the Cage, and then there who's the other one? Um, Adam Nick Pierce. Gage. Adam Pierce. Nick Gage. Uh, yeah. 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 Cage Page. Okay. So. Penal uh, Rage. Th- yeah. The whole night. Yep. <laughs> what'd you think about this one? Uh, great opener. I like this match. Um, it was it it was a dark horse for match of the night for me going into the pay per view when they announced this match. I thought that it was that the, both their styles. I, for some reason, just in my head, I had this good feeling that the match was going to be good, and they delivered. And you know, it was opening match on the pay per view. Crowd was hot for it. Um, story going in with with Brian Cage kind of being at odds with his team Taz members, and having the win over Adam Page and not wanting his team members help and you know Hangman the story the progression of the rise and fall of Hangman has been one of the better consistent stories that AEW has produced whether they've meant to or not um him coming in and getting a world title shot against Jericho at their inaugural pay-per-view all out um a couple of years ago and then losing that and then the stuff he did with Kenny Omega and then being on singles again, but then kind of joining forces with the dark order. You've seen this like progression of like ebbs and flows with him. He's reached his peaks and you know, he's hit his valleys from time to time. And I think it's been done pretty well, whether they've intended to do it that way or not. And so um, a big win for him here against Brian Cage. Uh, it was, it, it was a nice way to cap off, what his character's trajectory has been the last couple of years in AEW. I thought it was a great match. Yeah, it almost seems, like you said, Double or Nothing almost seems to be the uh, the pinnacle event to where things kind of cap off uh, something that happens, you know, in momentum, uh, in occurrence of last, of last year. Um, yeah. As we'll talk about with, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jungle Boy and uh, Sammy Guevara, as they have co- almost like... Uh, opposite results from last year's double or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, progressing them in the storyline slower and slower as, as you feel, um, feel this guy out. Adam page, definitely one of the more over guys on the show, uh, by the oh, crowd. Sure. I mean, he came out that, cr- that crowd. I mean, granted it was the first match of the card. 
you know, the main card, but you know, he came out, they popped hard for him. You know, it was, it was definitely, um, it, 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 they're, they're definitely solidly behind him. I, I, like I said, I really enjoyed this match. I, and I'll dare I say match of the night. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Close. I, I liked it. It was a nice opener. Um, I actually enjoyed the the next match, the AEW World Tag Team Championship. The Young Bucks defeated John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Um, I liked how the Young Bucks are definitely going full heel now and uh, like very smarmy and their their whole getup. You know, it said pockets, uh, thigh, like it labeled things. It's all like very meta. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm getting into that now as they're embracing it more and more. And they attack Moxley and and Kingston out of nowhere, you know, showing their, their ferocity and um, them as heels. And there's a lot of, like, false finishes throughout here, as you would predict with a, with a Young Bucks match. But um, there's some cool spots, you know, Moxley and Kingston hitting the Doomsday device with their shoes, uh, stealing the Young Bucks shoes. Um, and then, you know... Moxley taking the brunt of the uh, beating during this um, and, uh, you know, taking the pinfall after like four BTE triggers, uh, the Young Bucks retaining, um, kind of keeping Kingston strong. But, you know, Moxley is a guy that I think can take a pinfall and still continue. Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. Yeah, same here. Um, they're, the, the two different styles meshed really well. The, the the aerial acrobatic style of the Young Bucks, who I'm not really big fans of, but their heel act is kind of growing on me a little bit. I think they're doing a good job of getting the people to hate them, especially mm-hmm. that hardcore AEW audience uh, who, you know, obviously they know, you know, some of the inner workings behind the scenes. They know that those guys are management. They know that, you know, w- what their path has been in wrestling. They know their story. And, you know, they were, they were solidly behind them. But now that the Bucks are kind of heels, the fans have kind of, turned on them as well which i think is good um i must say i've never i mean i i i've enjoyed john moxley since he left wwe and he's been a little bit more serious and i felt like he kind of you know peaked uh last year um after you know winning the title and i think the pandemic might have had something to do with it the stuff he's done with eddie kingston has been pretty good stuff i'm liking this pairing more than i thought i would and mm-hmm. what i really like about it and I, and I said this in a group chat to, I forget, I think it was maybe my brother and, and Dennis or something. But, um, you know, when when they changed Moxley's music from that, like, you know, generic Dean Ambrose kind of knockoff he had to the, the wild. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's exactly it. He's um, unhinged. Yeah. And, and sticks they, his they tongue out. Yeah. <laughs> I hated they, that. They changed his music to Wild Thing. Yeah. So when they when they when they when him and uh, uh, Kingston came out, they used the original song, and I was like, "Oh, this is." I was like, "All right, I get the reason why because you know the nature of their characters, but like this is terrible. They need to do that updated version from the Major League movie when Charlie Sheen came out as Rip Wild Thing Vaughn from the bullpen and the scene when the whole crowd in the baseball stadiums chanting Wild Thing." Yeah, and then all of a sudden the next week they put it out, and I was like, "Holy shit, that was kind of cool." So well, I, just, I think they got it, it wrong. Uh, I think they actually licensed the wrong song. And we're like, "Oh shit, not the right version." 
Um, I, I I heard that they couldn't get the other song in time for the first uh, okay. week, so they had well, to, they licensed the first one. Then they ended up getting it, but I heard that it was pretty hard for them to license the song because I guess it was owned by the movie studio that made Major League the baseball movie. Interesting. So they had they had to go through some hoops to get it, but Tony Khan's got that funny money, so it it was really I'm sure it was no issue for him. Well, but we talked it, about it in text. Um, you and I about that, and I said he might as well just shave mocks in the back of his head, like MOX, you know, with the hair, yeah. kind of just take on that wild thing persona. I'm, but it was, but it was cool though. Like, I mean, I, I like the Major League movie and the scene yeah. at the end where Charlie Sheen, you know, he comes out of the bullpen to save the game for the team, and the crowd's chant "Wild thing!" Like, yeah, it was just it's it, AEW so, is very nostalgic. It, it fit into Moxley and Kingston's personas, I feel like. So when they popped out that door and that whole crowd went nuts and they were chanting it, it just brought me back to that Major League movie. For those of you youngins out there you know, who like sports movies, go check out Major League with Charlie Sheen. It, you won't be disappointed. You might not get all the references because you're too young, but you'll, you'll definitely enjoy the movie. But anyhow, um, I love the entrance. I thought it was great. Really set the tone for it. Um, and like I said, the polar opposite styles between both these teams worked really well. I, I've dug the Moxley Kingston team more than I thought I would. And I'm the uh, Young Bucks as a heel actor starting to grow on me a little bit, even though I don't think the sun rises and sets with those two in wrestling like most fans do. Excuse me, I'm going to go and, and lynch myself for all the internet wrestling community out there. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a good match. I thought it was fun and... I thought that they, they told a good story, isolating Moxley. And, um, you know, there were a few times, though, where I felt like in the match, the referee, the little bald guy, he's like a, he used to be from Pro Wrestling Gorilla. I think he's, I think the Bucks hired him. I hate him. You know who he is? Yeah. Um, For, forget I, his now name. I'm, now I'm blanking on the names. But uh, anyhow. There's Rick Knox, he, and then there's. Uh, maybe the, I think no, it is Knox. Rick Knox is the older one. That, yeah, that's him. That's okay. what I'm talking about, yeah. So he's he refereed this match because he's got history with the Bucks, of course. And either they're starting a heel referee thing with him or he just blatantly like allowed these guys to no, do that's so what many he double does. team stuff. But then yeah. also at the same time, Eddie Kingston's sitting in the corner while these two are beating the crap out of Moxley. And Kingston, his character, his persona, at least to me, comes across like he takes no shit from nobody. He does whatever he wants. Why were you letting your partner get his fucking ass beat? By these two guys, while the referee was allowing it, I just didn't uh, well, understand that's that. That's nonsensical booking or, or non psychology of that, and that happens a lot. And I, I've complained about that a lot. And I've actually realized um, it, it's you know you know these it's guys never going to change. Deal with it. <laughs> these, yeah, these guys are learning. It's never going to change. But also the refs, I'm getting tired of those. I think I, I, I have more of a grudge with of the refs in AEW than I do than the uh, actual participants in the match. Um, because the refs are just like too, I draw my eyes to them too much and their reactions are just like over the top and then what they allow and the, I, I don't know. It's just, it's too yeah. much right now, uh, especially for this event. That's my only complaint coming at, well, not the only complaint, but one of my top complaints was the referees. At least from that match. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So yeah, moving on the casino battle Royale, um, jungle boy wins it. And, uh, I mean, uh, why, why don't you bring me into the match? Um, any any top memories? I mean, Leo Rush is the Joker card. Leo Rush is the Joker was kind of cool. But he only uh, lasted like 30 seconds in the match. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, you know, Leo Rush the Joker was kind of cool uh, seeing him. It's been a while since I've seen him on TV. I know he's done some stuff for MLW in New Japan, um, but I don't really get a chance to watch that stuff. Um, there's only so many hours in a day and so much wrestling I can watch as a 38-year-old male without losing my... Um, Without losing my man card and and, uh, and renewing my virginity, yeah. um, but uh, <laughs> um, the the thing for me was the end. The fi- well, first of all, all right, two things. Number one, Jungle Boy when he made his entrance and they, they went crazy for him, and they even let the music play and the crowd was like oh, humming along to his music. And when he stood I there mean, with that's... Penta, I thought that was a pretty cool, you know, little little face off there. Question um, for you: Do you think do you think that they had to license that from the movie Surf Ninjas? They did. Holy crap. He's been awesome. licensing a lot of me- mainstream music for these guys' awesome. uh, theme songs. Um, oh, ever, si- ever since he did that song for the, the Brody tribute, the Brody Lee tribute yeah. video that they showed, he'd been licensing a lot more Tom songs. Waits, yeah. So, um, what was it? Uh, so, anyhow, there was that moment that was cool, and then, of course, the finish with Christian at the end. Um, and the, the play, like JR said, this crowd came unglued. And. I don't know what it is. Like I said, I've told you this before. Maybe it's because I'm older and I've become a little more sentimental. Um, but, you know, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, his father was the late actor Luke Perry from the TV show Beverly Hills 90210. I was a big fan of that show. And I've, I've become a big fan of Jungle Boy. He's got a lot of X-Pac 123 kid in him, like very underdog, uh, you know, kind of personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind the whole thing with him and Luchasaurus. I think they're a pretty solid team, even though I think Luchasaurus should probably work like a big man more than a flyer because it's not really working for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been really digging Jungle Boy in the, you know, since I've started watching him on AEW. So when he won that, crowd went crazy. JR was like, this place came unglued, and he just kind of looked up. And I, I had a feeling that's probably a reference to the fact that, you know, he, you know to his father, who is you know, no longer with us, I almost got choked up, man. I'm not going to lie. I thought that was pretty cool. And then just hearing them go crazy for him and they're, oh, 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 oh. like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just got caught up in it. And yeah. it, it, it was cool. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where they go with him moving forward now that he's the number one contender for Kenny Omega's uh, aid. Oh, oops. I spoiled it. I'm sorry. Whoa, for, oh, aid, oh. for the AEW World Heavyweight title. Rewind. <laughs> Yeah, um, he's the number one contender for the AEW World Heavyweight Title. I enjoyed that moment. Um, the only thing that that did kind of like uh, set it a little bit back for me was that it was him and Christian Cage at the end, two faces. Um, I mean, you could have left it up to him and a stronger heel to give him a bigger, you know, pop there. But you, there was they—they're trying to leave you uh, in suspense of like what's going to happen. Uh, they because you could have given Christian Cage that title opportunity, as we've also seen him on the show kind of face off with champion Kenny Omega. Yeah. Um, but I, I think yeah, Jungle Boy getting that victory that was really uh, necessary for what he needed. And last year at. Um, double or nothing he was one of the last competitors in there to be eliminated so a little throwback to uh to last year um here's here's an idea maybe he comes out to the 90210 theme and then the crowd goes oh yeah okay i'm sorry do 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 do, and they're like, "All right, you, you know, you ruined that for me." You sorry, know, right? I'm sorry. I love nine hundred two and zero, but like, 
I don't know. For some reason, I just am kind of digging this song that he's, you know. Yeah, I know. He's, I know. But I, yeah, I, I, I got caught it. up in it. it. It was cool. I liked the fact that it was Christian because it was different instead of it being a heel. Um, and Christian, I think, you know, he's a little bit more established than the majority of the guys in that match. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of helped, you know, his stock. But um, yeah, it was fun. It, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I agree. And giving him a title opportunity just pushes him one more, uh, you know, peg up on, uh, you know, getting that push. And I really think that, you know, even him losing, um, you know, would give him a bigger, you know, marquee name. uh, Oh, yeah. Getting getting that rub. Absolutely. Um, If you remember the early AEW episodes. With Chris Jericho. Yeah, he had a couple of great matches with Jericho. He just recently had a good match with Darby Allin. Um, so, I mean, it's not like he, he, he makes losing look good. Okay. And if you Mm -hmm. can do that, it doesn't matter how many times you lose. You know what I mean? You could, you, you're still over, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not always about going over. It's about getting over. And he's, and he's been able to do that even in, even in defeat. And if you could do that without having some sort of bullshit finish with a screw job or a run-in or whatever, then you're just fine. Losing ain't going to make much of a difference. And then think of the pop when he actually does win it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be – I think, it, and I, I heard also, too, that part of the reason why he's getting this push now is because they wanted to push him before the pandemic, and unfortunately COVID cut it short. And I think they want to really – they, they the wanted it – they, they, the audience, of course, but I think they want to capitalize on the on his story. You know, his father being an actor and a well-known actor, passing away, having a stroke, and dying suddenly. And you know, his father also being a big part of his dream. His, you know, Luke Perry was a big wrestling fan, uh, big big American Dream, Dusty Rhodes guy. He had appeared on WWE programming a few times, some guest shots, and you know that was the bond that him and Jungle Boy had. You know, his son Jack. That you know they watched wrestling together, and he got Jack into wrestling growing up. He'd take him to shows and all this other stuff. So I think that that story is what they want to tell, and they want the audience to connect with that. So that when that time comes and they do decide to give him that big win, it's gonna just it's just gonna mean so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking forward to that, but I, I also can you know just enjoy watching it right now um which is awesome yes. I, I don't want i don't want the him pushed down our throats no I, no I enjoy, no same I here i enjoy what's going on um, same here moving on the uh the american versus the british uh, cody rhodes defeating anthony agogo um yeah I, I mean the the build to this we talked about it on the last episode um i i i enjoyed the intensity that cody gave but it did didn't make any sense. Um, also talking about him having a biracial daughter and the American dream. But then you think about it, Anthony Agogo is biracial and he came here from another country and he's living the American dream. They forced a, <laughs> they, they forced a foreign gimmick on a, on a kid and, and forced the whole, you know, you know, USA versus the foreign heel. It's the same old tired formula they've been using when they do that sort of thing. The match wasn't bad. No, made it a, wasn't. Made but a, a lot of fans look. are not recepting to this. But the story going into it just it didn't do it for me. And I'll be honest with you, he needs to ditch like all thirty-seven other people in that nightmare family. Maybe keep it to hit Arn Anderson and Dustin. The rest they can go screw off. QT with the rest of the the other guys in the factory. I'd maybe keep you know a go-go. QT's actually a solid manager. 
for for a go-go. As a wrestler, he's about as bland as a fucking church wafer. Like yeah. that's how bland he is. Yeah. You know? But yeah. as a manager, he's not too bad. I briefly liked him as God's gift in uh, ROH when he was first introduced and then uh he kind of fell off and uh since then I guess he is uh he's a bland wrestler but he's training the people in the nightmare factory. So what what are well, we going to Well, he's a bland get? character, I should okay. say. Me- right. Mechanically in the ring, he's he's, he's probably, good. He's sound, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, pretty bland. Uh I didn't I didn't not like this match, um, but it it definitely wasn't, you know, the best Cody Rhodes match. And then the finisher that he hit, people weren't kind of used to um, because that was his finisher in uh, New Japan. But, yeah. um, The Vertebraker, yeah. Yeah, the Vertebraker. I thought he was going to drop him on his head. I was like, that's a big dude to be lifting up like that. But Well, um, we'll see. You know, this obviously is the end of the feud, or do we keep going? (laughs) Um, I think it'll, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if they just abandon it and then move Cody into something else. You know, maybe he'll wrestle Charles Barkley at the next pay-per-view. Oh you know, another, another basketball legend that will make no sense. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I mean, the match wasn't bad. The story going into it was very lackluster. Cody looked like a million bucks, though. His, his ring gear, the the entrance, everything. Oh, yeah, I like great. the boots with the red, yeah. the red and white stripes. Going yeah. up and down, yeah, that was nice. Um, Other than that, he, forget it. Yeah, he just kind of like shotgunned that American Dream gimmick out of nowhere. So I don't know. We'll see where that goes. Um, the next match, Miro retaining his TNT Championship against Lance Lance Archer by making him pass out with the game over. Um, man, hell of a match, big man match. Um, these guys were going at it. Um, and Miro showing a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of aggression now and just by himself, he, he's incredible and it, it'll be interesting what happens next as we talk about people who might've been released, uh, his wife, Lana, and, uh, what could happen with her possibly. Um, but yeah, um, it, it was quick, um, and intense, but that not too memorable. Um, and this, this again, uh, having, Jake and Archer kind of being on the uh, being on the rocks, but Jake is always like kind of slow to the go. So I, I don't know. What would you think? I thought it was a solid big man match. It didn't go too long. Um, both guys really brought it. Uh, Archer, you know, big man for his size. Um, you know, you doing a lot of you know aerial stuff, which I thought was. Not to, you know, like I said, I said earlier about Luchasaurus, he wrestles like a cruiserweight, he should wrestle like a big man, but I think Archer implemented some of these aerial, the aerial stuff in the match um, at, at the right times. He didn't overdo it. He wasn't like another, you know, cruiserweight match. But, you know, they, they, they were both very physical, hard hitting. I, I, I enjoyed it. it. The time allotted for it, it got like, I think like, like 12 minutes or something like that. It wasn't, it didn't feel like it was boring. Uh, the stuff with Jake at the end, with the you know Miro throwing the snake, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, of course, you know because we live in a very sensitive PC world, <laughs> Tony Tony Khan at the at the end of the night in his media scrum had to uh, remind everyone that there was no snake in the bag, there was no oh, snake God. that was harmed, damaged, because there were wrestling fans out there that thought, "Come it was, on, let us was... let us believe." Kid, you know, parents don't want to see their kids crying like you and I might have when uh, yeah. when when earthquake smashed jake's snake yeah you know i mean yeah come on you know for real 
But um, yeah, solid match. It wasn't bad. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing these two go at it again. All right, right on. Uh, moving on, Britt Baker wins the AEW Women's Championship, defeating Sheeta. Um, and Britt Baker, holy shit, she is over. Um, one of the biggest reactions of the night for a victory here, I would say. Um, and winning that women's championship, a long-waited, um, you know, long time coming, I think. Uh, everybody thought that she would be first in line for this, but, um, you know, even as a heel, she got over and uh, really coming into this character, DMD, Britt Baker, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I don't, I, I, you know, a lot of, lot of hard-hitting spots in this match, too, and I'd love to see it again. But, uh, you know, having that lockjaw submission, she's uh, definitely tying into possibly we can go to a submission match or, you know, step this up next level. Um, yeah, I'd love to see this again. Your thoughts? I thought it was a good match. And I've been saying this from day one that they should have had that title on Britt Baker a long time ago. It's almost like it's almost one of those two little too late situations. But the audience was behind it. Um, so I, I think this is another situation where they wanted to wait till there was an audience. For her big victory. Yep. Um, no disrespect to Sheeta, talented performer, but this experiment with that Kenny Omega had been doing with you know, the female Japanese wrestlers um, and relying on their athletic ability alone to get them over with the audience just didn't work. I Did you say athletic ability with quotation marks? I kind of heard that. You kind of heard the quotation marks? Yeah. You want to edit that out? <laughs> I'm kidding. I know. I, I know they know she's very athletic. These the, the Japanese female wrestlers are very athletic. They are, but there's a lot I'm of not, there's a lot of spots that go like it, it's way too fast paced and you're they're, you know sloppy stuff to where they could. But slow there's no down. connection with the audience. Yeah, like, exactly. As, as, and pe- people will shit all over WWE, but that's the one thing that they that they that they attempt to do or attempt to market is the connection with the audience, with the character. They don't try to rely so much on the athletic ability. Whereas AEW is trying to try to do something different and use these, these female Japanese stars and, and showcase their, their talent in ring and not really get people to understand who they are. Whereas Britt Baker was the only, she, she was head and shoulders above everybody in that women's division and still is to this day, you know, even with the title now, the best woman on that roster that the audience connects with. That's why I think the audience got behind her winning so much is because now they had someone that they, that they I wouldn't guess, re- say relate to, but there was some strong character development with her over the course of the last year or so. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, they, fi- they, they, finally had a, they finally have a champion to care for, whether they like her, whether they hate her. Um, but she'd been really performing well in her role with, with Reba, you know, as, as like her little sidekick. I think everyone was just waiting for the for her to win the belt. That's what the watching that match felt like is everyone was just waiting for her to win and everyone wanting her to win it and seeing she to lose. But I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch again. That that's for sure. It was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh moving on, Sting and Darby Allen defeat Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky and oh my goodness, Sting, 62 years old, looking pretty good. For uh, you know the spots that he did in his match, uh, I mean, great for 62 years old. It, I, you can't complain. Uh, he even takes his shirt off uh, to you know have the old stinger. You know when he first turned into the crow sting, uh, just the whole get up rather than wearing a shirt the whole time. And uh, Darby Allen taking a hell of a beating again. 
Um, but Sting, getting the hot tag and some old school stuff, and then um, winning with the Scorpion Deathlock out of nowhere, um, Death Drop. I'm sorry, out of nowhere, which which was nice, because um, Scorpio Sky was trying to do a tornado DDT, and uh, you know Sting picking up the victory one two three that that was nice. But uh, you know I think the story is over because this week, or they're trying to progress in a different way because Scorpio Sky. Uh, and Ethan Page asked Darby Allen to pick another partner. Um, so I don't know where where we're going with Sting, if they're going to keep them together. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I like that, though. Like this. Um, I've liked a lot of the stuff that Darby Allen and Sting have done recently, um, especially the I, cinematic latch w- match. I'm sorry, we, we watched that last time. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say... I think this was better than I expected it to be, given you know Sting's health and the fact he hadn't wrestled in a in a in a match in a ring in six years. I thought uh, he and did in front of a well. live audience, in front of a live audience, that was even cooler. You know, um, you know. Granted, I could have done without the "you still got it" chance, but you know, it, yeah. at the same time, it was you know that's what happens when you know a, a, a legend or someone established you know returns to the ring after X amount of time. The you know the fans are going to still you know. Do they, you know, the you still got it champ. But anyhow, um, I, I, I liked it. I like the dynamic between Ethan Page and Darby Allen. I like the fact that um, Excalibur brought that up on commentary, that these two have had wars with each other. And I would like to see some of that again. We're probably going to see a series of matches with those guys, some very violent matches. I know that if you ever watched that documentary, that series on Vice called The Wrestler, Mm-hmm. Uh, they did one on Darby Allen last year or a year, maybe about a year ago, where they documented you know his his run on the indie scene, especially in Evolve, and a series of matches he had with Ethan Page in Evolve. So I think we're going to see some of that come to light on AEW on a larger stage. Um, you know, but Sting's performance was was very well done given his age and his history, and we'll see what happens there with him and Darby Allen. I find it interesting that they're that they want Darby Allen to pick another partner. Um, so maybe they're going to move Sting into something else. I know they kind of teased Sting with Lance Archer, uh, you know, on AEW TV recently. They kind of did that a little bit, but then Archer moved over to Miro, so you know it was one of those like inconsistent booking scenarios. That they threw out there. Maybe they're going to go back to that. I don't know. Um, maybe they're going to do the whole Sting as the grizzled old veteran wanting one last shot at the title. Maybe they'll do him and Omega. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I, I enjoyed the match overall. Yeah, really good stuff. Um, Kenny Omega retaining his AEW championship in the next match against Orange Cassidy and Pac. Um, uh, I mean, a great Triple threat. I, I had some doubts about it, um, shuffling these guys into here. But, uh, you know, Pac and Cass- Orange Cassidy, two of the most over guys, um, getting title opportunities or being in the main event scene uh, within the last year of AEW. Uh, Pac making a big return um, and Orange Cassidy having his feud with Chris Jericho and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of shuffling around with the best friends. Um, but, uh, you know... Kenny Omega really embracing this uh, this shithead character and Don Callis too because Kenny Omega can put on a great match in the ring, um, and you would you know you would have to cheer him um, the way that the finish went in this match with um, Don Callis pulling the referee out uh, before Orange Cassidy almost made a close three 
count, which I was like, I even was like, oh my God, is he going to win the title? Um, they, they got me on that one. Um, and, you know, then Kenny Omega shit canning the other referee and then hitting um, hitting Pac and, and Orange Cassidy with the belts, all four belts that he brought down to the ring because uh, he's the belt collector, um, really just building up that heat and having the fans just shit on Kenny Omega, but a great match. Um, hard hitting, too. Um, that, that kick that Pac just, you know, you know, just kicked the hell out of um, Cassidy. That was awesome. Um, into the corner, that was great. Um, you know, but overall, we get the, uh, the you know, Omega getting the crucifix on Orange Cassidy after your, your another false finish. Um, and that was, that was good. Um, what'd you think? I thought it was a fun match. Uh, you know, when I heard online that it went like almost 30 minutes, I was like, God damn, you know, they really need to go this long. You know, I, I, I was not looking forward to it. And I think also too, because of the, the different mixture of styles, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I may get crucified for saying this, but I'm not the biggest Pac fan. Um, okay. Talent, athletically, talent-wise, like, he's good in the ring. But this whole little bastard, um, you know, always angry, always bitter kind of, you know, character that he's got, I don't know. It just, it doesn't resonate with me. And I'm not the biggest Orange Cassidy guy, but I I think I said this on the last Catching Up With You, that um, the dynamic between him and Omega could make for some really good stuff where Omega takes the wrestling very seriously as the, you know, the belt collector and, you know, Orange Cassidy's just really there for the cheap pop and he's, you know, he's, he's a lazy wrestler, so to speak. So I felt like, I feel like that dynamic could really work well. Um, and I think they're going to get there at some point. That's just my guess, but I think we're going to get there at some point. I, I, I could see a rematch just between Omega and Orange Cassidy. Um, where Pac goes moving forward, I guess maybe with him and Penta in a tag as part of Death Triangle for a little bit. Maybe they're going to feud with the Bucks. I know they I had a match so. on TV. Maybe the Good Brothers. I don't know. Um, but it was a fun match. I, I liked it, and uh, I, it was better than I expected it to be, given the fact that I really had no real interest in it, to be honest with you. I, I, I didn't. Same you know. here. So. Same here, and it stood out to me. And the only thing I will say about the Orange Cassidy stuff is, um, man, yeah, it, it's we're twenty minutes into the match. You know, everybody's tattered up. You know, everybody is ready to get their finishing moves on and finish this. And Orange Ca- Cassidy puts his hands in his pockets and tries to do the the phony little leg kicks to Pac, and he just and Pac just decked him. I mean. It, it's a hard way to get your character over if you're if you're like no 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 not not right now to be silly but I mean I, I guess that's that's what it is I'm just gonna have to accept it with Orange Cassidy but yeah uh, that's my only complaint it took me right out of it I was like okay we had a great match and then all of a sudden he stops to do his gimmick like 20 minutes in could have done that at the beginning you know but yeah they're building to it I guess I don't know <sighs> yeah. <laughs> building to non to shin kicks yeah yeah i know i know it's <sighs> 2021 come on yeah let's get with it all right mark henry ends up joining aew 
Great. Now they have all the guys that Randy Orton uh, killed off. So uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on possible WWE having a stable uh, within AEW, like ex-WWE guys? As like an on-screen group? Yeah. Or just like, or just like them joining the company? Like an on-screen group. I don't see that happening. Okay. That would be that that would totally go against anything AEW thinks they stand for. Um Mark Henry being a part of the company, I mean, if he wants to contribute, he wants to help younger talent, you know, if they're hiring him as a coach and maybe an analyst, that's great. I I, I mean, he kind of he was a late bloomer when it came to his success on TV in WWE the last, you know, 5 6 years uh was when he really saw his his greatest success uh in WWE, but um you know, I don't I mean, I'm not against like seeing like him in a big show and these guys like you know working behind the scenes to help a lot of these younger guys. You know, not to not not to disparage AEW and and put a little more shine on WWE, but WWE's been a you know a, a company around far longer than AEW that knows how to produce wrestling on television, mm-hmm. and so therefore AEW is in its early infancy, and there's a lot of guys that are in that company, whether they're developmental deals or whether they're, you know, you know, decent contracts, that have never really wrestled on a large stage on national television. So mm-hmm. having guys like Big Show and Christian and, 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 and Mark Henry and Matt Hardy and names like that, even Cody to some degree, you know, Moxley, those guys can really help these younger guys in how to, you know, how how to interact in a pro wrestling environment on television. I'm not saying do it the WWE way because you, as we all know there's a WWE style of wrestling that caters towards the production side of it. But, you know, for the most part these guys a lot of them are very young and maybe have this you know wrestled in in front of nobody and now they come to AEW and they're they're on a bigger stage, you know, they could use some polishing. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's a good thing when they sign Big Show and Mark Henry and Christian and these guys to help these guys and help make AEW better and a more crisper product. Yeah, I I, I can agree with that. Um I can definitely see where where those um where those guys will definitely lend a helping hand and the other guys that are currently in there doing this. So, um, yeah. Speaking of, um, the, the older guy giving the other guys a helping hand, (laughs) Chris Jericho in the inner circle winning the spring or the stampede, the stadium stampede, my goodness, against the pinnacle spring stampede. Yeah. Jesus. (laughs) I wish it was spring. It's hot as balls out here. We got the cicadas in Maryland, and I was going to record the podcast outside, but they're so loud that it sounds like that ominous noise that that was on SmackDown and Raw during the pandemic area. It's like... <gasps> that was the blower in the, in the, in the performance center. Yeah. Oh <laughs> the, the ventilation God. system. Yeah, it was ridiculous. That's what's going on outside right now, and it's hot as That's balls. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so the inner circle defeating the, the pinnacle in the uh, stadium stampede match. Um, and I like, I have not seen the first one. So no, I did. I'm sorry. I did see the first one. And to be honest with you, um, 
this one was great, uh, almost better, but I, I have some nitpicking points about the way that they cut each scene and each guy's trailed off to have their own little fight scene. And then there was just a hard cut and we're like, okay, what's going on next? And I also feel really bad for the live audience that was there that had to sit and watch this as the main event on a screen. Um, uh, that's the only thing I will say. Um, the end, they, they kind of recovered it and thought outside of the book without having the shitty uh, ending of Omega, you know, you know, ending the show, um, even though he's the champion, this was a bigger feud going into everything. And uh, having Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears come out at the end uh, to save, you know, the reaction and get the live audience reaction. And then, um, you know, having that there, that that was a good that was a good thought process. Um, yeah, good way to book that. But then at the end, of course, Fozzie must sing. Uh where they have to uh, sing Jericho's Fozzie song, which was, it's it's getting kind of cheesy to me, but uh, whatever. They are like, as Chris Jericho says on the latest episode of Dynamite, they're like Guns N' Roses. <coughs> okay. Um, anyhow, that's me being sarcastic. I, I enjoyed the match. I'm just letting you roll, dude. You, you, you. <laughs> I, 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 I enjoyed the match. There was a lot of good segments here where... Um, you can tell these guys took the time to each develop and choreograph and think about what was creative um, for each segment. Um, I loved how they went into the meat locker with uh, Hager and um, Wardlow, you know, because those guys are the meaty guys. Then you have um, Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears fighting it out with Sean Spears, um, you know, in that chair room, which was lit very well and done very well. Um, and then him throwing, you know, a, a pair of uh, cable cutter or like, I guess, uh, bolt cutters, I'm sorry, him throwing them away. And then later, them coming into play for uh, Sammy Guevara to get freed from handcuffs that Sean Spears locked him in. Um, you know, there there was a lot of thinking going into this. You know, rather than just appearing on the next thing. The the only thing I will say is just uh, imagine watching this. You know, segment by segment. Um, but then we get into the bar fight which was done really well, but Tony Schiavone calls it a disco, which I don't think that's a disco, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, ultimately, you know, Chris Jericho and MJF, the, the one that we really wanted to see, um, I, I really just hope that we get to a, a, a single match between MJF and Chris Jericho. Um, uh, and then, you know, like I said, everybody coming out at the end and Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara um, getting the finish. Sammy Guevara was the guy last year that took the pinfall in the stamp, the stadium stampede. So this year he actually picks up the pinfall. Um, I would definitely I would definitely rate this higher than I was thinking. Um, it's not a wrestling match, though. It's kind of more a, a uh, cinematic match, if you will. Um, yep. And it was it was done really well. Um, uh, one of the better ones that we've seen during the pandemic era, and I think AEW has knocked both of them out in the last two uh, pay-per-views that they had. And uh, yeah. that that's me. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry for no, no, ramp, no, ranting. No, 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 no. You're, you're totally fine. Also, don't apologize. Don't ever apologize again. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
No, I'm I'm agree- I'm in agreement with you on just about everything. I feel like it was a very well produced match. Um, this probably one of the better um, cinematic matches. Um, if I'm going to nitpick, I'll nitpick on a few things that that I noticed. Um, kind of like you, they just kind of cut to each individual grouping of guys, like to like showcase their fights, their 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 scenes or whatever. From what I understand, this match was filmed on Thursday evening before the pay per view. Right. So they had plenty of time to do a lot of editing. Um, if I'm going to nitpick, I'll start with that in the sense that like they cut to the individual fight scenes i wouldn't have minded if they kind of did like a little split screen action maybe they showed like two different scenes going on and then when the one scene that seems to be more favorable or lead to the other one and then maybe have stalling in between where a guy is kind of just you know knocked out or they're running with each other like you know yeah yeah i agree yeah um but at the same time overall like it was very crisp and very clean um the watching that match felt like it was a giant game of Clue when it came to, like, the <laughs> weapons. Like, Guevara was... All right, so so Spears threw away the, the, the bolt cutters, all right, so he could get the chair. But all of a sudden, the bolt cutters magically appeared underneath a, 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 a fucking... Uh, the, the pallets, the wooden pallets, as this dude's handcuffed to... That shelving, the shelving or whatever, right? All of a sudden, the bolt cutters just happen to be there, right? Just happen to be there. Or when Jericho was beating up MJF in the boardroom of the Jacksonville Jaguars office, and you found a hammer next to the the computer and a baseball bat in the closet. Like, come on. Or here's some other nitpicking about this match. And like I said, this is nitpicking, even though I enjoyed it. Jericho's beating up mjf in one room he throws him in the next room and all of a sudden the head coach of the jacksonville jaguars urban meyer acts shocked <laughs> like 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 what you didn't hear hell? these two beating each other's asses outside the door and now all of a sudden you're gonna act surprised when he comes in your room yeah. like come on that, that was a little silly but overall i liked it i thought it was fun and i didn't mind the fact that it was at the end of the show and i liked the fact that guevara was the one that got the pinfall okay um, because like you said, he took the pinfall last year, but also he was the one that was kind of like the, the, the one to start the fire between MJF and the group with MJF trying to overturn the inner circle. And he was the only one that had said, you know, that this isn't right. He's up to something. And then he started the War Games match. And he had declared that he was going to be the one to start it and and, and go through and, and beat these guys. And eventually, they lost. And now he's redeemed himself by not only getting this victory, but, you know, keeping the inner circle intact. When at a time when he left the inner circle, his character left the group to kind of refocus and get his head screwed on straight to then eventually come back. So I think everything just kind of came full circle. I liked it. It was fun to watch. I had my little nitpicky moments. Oh, here's another one. Here's another nitpicky moment. Um, when they're fighting in the disco and they're <laughs> beating the crap out of each other, you know, they're throwing, you know, they're throwing, first of all, they're beating up in other patrons disco. that are in the disco, okay? <laughs> but then at one point, like, one, one of, you know, 
inner circle, either Santana or Ortiz, throws the other guy into a table, and there's a couple just sitting at this table next to them that are enjoying their time, drinking their beverages. They don't even blink an eye that, like, a guy just got thrown over their heads to the next table. Yeah, we're at the the AEW disco. It happens all the time. The AEW disco. But I will say, here's what I did like about, like, some, like, first of all, I liked the look of the inner circle. They had the motorcycle vests. I thought that was a kind of a cool look. And I liked the bunkhouse stampede look from from uh pinnacle yeah even tully got decked out in it dressed up and i and i loved mj yeah the cowboy boots with the the bandana around the 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 wrists or the knees they all looked great they all wore their pinnacle shirts the pinnacle shirt had a very like old school nwa jim crockett promotion four horsemen look to it which was cool and then mjf of course you know he kind of brought it back full circle and his jeans had like all the lights that light up like jericho's old jacket yeah. I mean, I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. On his jeans. So it kind of brought, like, things full circle with him and Jericho. So and little subtle nuances had his, like uh, that. his, like, Gucci, uh, yeah, you know, his Burberry. Yeah, like the stitching Burberry on the side. Stitching, yeah. yeah. It was cool. Like, I, I just thought the, the, the look and the presentation, the entrance when they came out and they, they, they rappelled down. Oh, my God. I forgot to talk that. about that. The entrance. That yeah, was we're cool. Like, we're a week removed it. from Owen Hart's anniversary of dropping. And I was like, oh, my God, please be okay, Chris Jericho. Because everybody was, he was the last one to drop. And it was a pretty This hard is a drop. surprise coming from you, oh. considering all the, the bad <laughs> Owen Hart jokes you've told on the, on our recordings over the last couple of years. You're going to you're going to show concern well, of course he over Jericho. Well, you're going to show concern over Jericho rappelling down from the the top of the stadium a week after Owen Hart's passing uh, anniversary of his passing. Yet you're the one that's making all these I've fallen for you jokes. No, I'm and, just saying Chris know, Jericho sky's high I, and all this I'm other just shit. saying Chris Jericho will never take a bump like Owen Hart. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, we might have to end this recording now. Oh, <sighs> see, so, you yeah. never take the, you never miss an opportunity. No. <laughs> never. I, I What's enjoyed, wrong with you? I enjoyed that entrance though. It was very cool. Um, but yeah, I was like, man, that's a little dangerous. But okay, I mean, they're taking, they're you know, they're going all out. They're they're hardcore. He's hardcore. Um, yeah. Uh, overall, yeah. I, I was pleased with this. Best. Uh, Best pay-per-view I've seen this year besides WrestleMania from a few matches on WrestleMania that stood out. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. All right, right, let's move on. Uh, What do you want to talk about next? What's up? The releases? You want to release some uh, tension with the talk about some current (laughs) WWE releases? (laughs) We could, yeah. I mean, um, Braun Strowman, Lana, Buddy Murphy, Santana Garrett, Aleister Black, um, I think that's yeah i think that's about it those those individuals were released last week um and a lot of people are um scratching their heads at a few of them like alistair black who his character had recently returned on wwe television in a series of vignettes and then he attacked biggie on a recent smackdown so it looked like we were going to see alistair black make a return and then of course braun Strowman was in the main event of the last pay-per-view um wrestlemania backlash and he's probably the biggest one for me, considering how much they've used him over the last couple of years. And, you know, Vince loves big guys. But um, I know he you was said universal before, champion as well, right? Yeah, he was a universal champion. Yeah, he won. I mean, he wanted, you know, he beat Goldberg and, you know, pandemic WrestleMania. But still, um, I mean, I know you've talked about it in text and a lot of people are speculating that this could be them kind of gearing up for a sale. Um mm-hmm. 
I, I don't disagree with it in some regards, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I also think, too, that they're trying to offset their costs because they are going to be touring again. And I would imagine now that we live in a COVID world, if you're going to be you know, running a live event with thousands of people in attendance, you're having all these people sign these waivers um, that attend your live events. I know WWE sent out uh, forms to people who had purchased tickets. For the upcoming events in July, that have to sign these waivers, that you know they won't be responsible if they get sick, if they happen to contract COVID, et cetera, wow. et cetera. Um, which I'm, I'm guessing AEW did the same thing too. I could be mistaken, but um, I, I'll, I know a lot of musical acts and performers are doing that sort of thing in professional sports as well. But um, I would imagine them touring again. The cost is going to be astronomical for them to tour in a COVID world because of all the the, the, the COVID restrictions and the COVID protocols that different states have and things like that. So releasing talent that they aren't using, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but they'll all land on their feet. I have no doubt about it. I, 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 I really think that um, it, it was a, it was a, it's unfortunate that they had to lose their jobs uh, because they're all very talented, but, you know, it's just the world that we live in right now, you know? I mean, they're still operating. They're still up and running. Yes, they're going to make record profits again this year because of the television deal, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, they're also losing money at the same time, too, because they're not, they hadn't been running live events in over a year. Yeah. So, you know, you got to think, like, they had to trim the fat somewhere at some point. And, you know, on that note, I'll say this. I think it's I think it's it's been long overdue, but they need to end this brand extension. If you're gonna let talent go, then there's a lot more people that they don't use that they can let go that are a part of that roster. You know, keep it one roster and and, and keep the best talents that you have and, and, and that's it. Like honestly, like I'm almost thinking about doing a draft where we where we let go of people. You know, maybe we could do that on an episode. Well yeah, there's uh, a talent of, of like there's up. people that are up higher up on the chopping block that I would I would take off. Like Ziggler. What what has Ziggler done for so long? I I mean now he's in the tag team picture, but they keep these guys around that just you know I, I don't see any use for after a while, and then they let guys go that have a lot of potential from what I see. But uh, Booker T seems to think different about Alistair Black. He said that he yeah, was a guy that. he was a guy that never really stood out, uh, and I'm like yeah. what. Um, that whole presentation that they had in NXT, mind you, was phenomenal with Alistair yeah, Black. It was. Um, you couldn't deny that. But then when he gets up to the main roster, they kind of just bury these guys and don't give them anything. Um, yeah. You know, uh, <clears throat> they slowly but surely start to take away their gimmick, and then they try to rebuild them in a way. I I, I don't understand what what goes on in the mindset there, but I guess it's just a power struggle, you know, between creative ideas. But I, I think Braun Strowman is a guy that who recently this, you know, last year said that he would never wrestle for another company. What are your thoughts? If he, is he going to wrestle for another company? I think he's I a guy. Him, yeah. I think he's a guy that I could see that doesn't return to wrestling and he just kind of does hunting shows and, uh, you yeah, know, his I, outdoor I stuff. Too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, but also here's this take: Alistair Black, Lana, um, and Selena Vega. They all were making third-party money and had an issue with WWE uh, because of that. Because WWE. Alistair wanted, Black was. Uh, well, Alistair Black is dating Selena Vega. 
Um, okay. So uh, you well, know, he wasn't making third party money, right? I don't, I don't, I don't know the details of that. I don't think so. I know she was. She was. Lana was, and Rusev was, who is Miro in uh, AEW now. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting to see those all released. What was Lana doing? Uh, she was doing a lot of uh, v, you know, uh, what are they called? Cameos. Cameos. Yeah. Cameos. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, all yeah. That other like Twitch stuff and everything. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think also some of those can be in a result of dispute over uh, money oh, and I, negotiation. I could see that too. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that too. Um, but they, I could see. Br- yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. Uh, I, I mean, but yeah, I, I could definitely see like Buddy Murphy coming into play but he's got to kind of change that buddy murphy Im- image um i don't know if he could definitely necessarily come into AEW and just be buddy murphy uh, well no he can't but yeah. i mean i'm sure that he will he'll he'll still have a very similar look um you know th- th- this is a, it's a good opportunity for a lot of these guys to really branch out and try something different um well then i'd change my look i'd try i'd try uh, well, yeah, something I, I, different I th- I, yeah, I th- I think we'll see that in some some regards to some of these people. Yeah, I, I really do. I, but I also think at the same time we'll also see these guys, you know, under a different ring persona with a similar look, but getting more of an opportunity to show what WWE didn't show. You know, like I could see a Buddy Murphy go to Impact or MLW or New Japan or you know wherever. You know, like sky's the limits for all these talents. Mm-hmm. I I don't think they're gonna have a problem finding work. Um, Especially now that wrestling is going to return back to some kind of normalcy with live crowds and things like that. But like I said before, I think it's about time that WWE just, you know, cut it down to one roster. Um, because I feel like, you know, watching both Raw and SmackDown, you can. First of all, Raw doesn't need to be three hours anymore. But you know, that'll never that'll never change as long as the networks are paying the money for the hour. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna still produce the content. Um, but you could tell with like Raw and SmackDown that like SmackDown has like a solid foundation of a roster. I feel like, whereas Raw, you highlight maybe the same five or six, seven people, and then everyone else is just kind of filler. So get rid of that filler, you know. Get rid of that filler. Um, I, I I really am a big proponent of cutting it down to one roster. But at the same time, it looks like they're not going to do that because they just announced that on the August thirtieth edition of SmackDown and the September third edition of Raw, they're going to do a two night draft. So um, we'll get to see you know a bunch of names uh, moved around and not get used. Um, but yippee, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. Time will tell. Yeah, we will see. Um... Last two topics. Um, let's talk about SummerSlam coming up, and then we'll talk about WWE possible working with uh, New Japan. Um, SummerSlam mm-hmm. coming up. It, the actual date of it, did you notice? It's a Saturday. It's a Saturday. Yeah. yeah. It's been a while. I think the success of I think the success of WrestleMania on Saturdays the last couple of years um, led to that. But I also heard too that the the stadium and where it's going to be held in Las Vegas, Alec. Allegant Stadium or Allegiant, I forget how to pronounce it. Um, someone will correct me. El Gigante. Um, they were, Elegante. Ah, there you go. I like that. Elegante Stadium. Um, they're um, they requested the Saturday date, and it's also the same date as the Manny Pacquiao fight in town. Um, hmm. But from what I understand, SummerSlam is going to be long over and long done with before um, the Pacquiao fight even takes place. Usually, the main event usually goes on around midnight, around that time. So. Uh, but I think there is some concern within WWE that they're not going to be able to, to, to fill the house because of the Pacquiao fight on the same night. Um, I think 
I think they'll do just fine in the stadium. But it's Saturday. It's interesting that it's a Saturday. I like that it's a Saturday. Um, Like I said, because Sundays used to be destination for wrestling. But Saturdays have made it kind of feel special in recent years. Especially with COVID and WrestleMania the last couple of years. Um, So I'm interested to see what they're going to produce for a Saturday SummerSlam. Although SummerSlam used to be held on Mondays way back in the day. Yeah, we've talked about that on Marking Out the Days. You can find that cheap plug on the archive at Retromania. Yeah. Find it over there. Uh, we talk a lot about SummerSlam and how that it was held on a Monday. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be held on a Saturday. Vegas, they're looking to fill it. Um, the rumor is Roman Reigns and John Cena for the Universal title. This is one of the big main events, and apparently they're talking about bringing Brock back. So they're going to need some names to fill it. Cardi B's rumored to be the host. Ow. So yeah. Sorry, I stubbed um, my toe. Um Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Um, that that'll be the point of the show where I force myself to take a shit. Um, <laughs> Jesus, don't get a hemorrhoid. No, no, no. I, I'll just. I mean, if nothing else, if nothing happens, I'm just sitting on the toilet, you know, re- reading all the comments on Twitter about how much they can't stand Cardi B in a wrestling <laughs> event. Um, but anyhow, so um, yeah, SummerSlam in Vegas. Interesting. It looks like things are really picking up. I think, though, with the pandemic, I don't think they're going to have a problem selling out the stadium or getting close to it because so many people are going to want to go to this show because there hasn't been a big wrestling event in, in a large setting for such a long time, with the exception, yeah. of course, of WrestleMania being limited um, earlier this year. But that kind of rules out. And I think also, too, SummerSlam in Vegas is a test run to see if they can get WrestleMania in Vegas. Because mm. if, if they could do WrestleMania in Vegas, you know, if they could do well with SummerSlam on a Saturday in Vegas, then they could probably fill up that stadium for WrestleMania in in the near future. Well, why not? If they were to actually sell the company and maybe hypothetically be owned by NBC Universal or Disney, um, for example, um, I'm almost positive that they would set up something like a theme park or some type of permanent venue place of where it's the home of WWE. You get your museum there. Um, you get your like little attractions and signings and events and maybe a weekly taping show performance center, Florida, wink, wink. Um, and then yeah. you have a grand venue over there or Vegas where it's like WrestleMania or SummerSlam, you know, it's like, the hugest event. Um, to so you're re- still on that sale of the company thing, aren't you? I, I am thinking that that's that's possible to where they could be heading within the next three years. Not necessarily okay. right now, but in the next three years. Um, okay. With them three selling, years. yeah, I'll give it three years. Uh, within them selling uh, to Peacock now, and then this TV deal. No, they, no, all right, hold on, hold on. You said selling. You got no, well, okay. Uh, they okay. license licensing. The licensing. I'm they sorry. They license the footage for them to use on their service. Okay. They they will always own their own content, yes. but they will have no problem getting a nice. You know, they will have no problem getting some nice mailbox money to license their contact to, content to anyone that's looking to um, lo- looking to to. To you know, to air it. I will say this though, I don't think that. I like I said to you, and I'll say it again. I don't think it. There's, you're wrong in saying that there's a chance that they're going to sell this company. I think that with this president Nick Khan setting up the deals and the licensing and trying to brand them like they're Marvel, and you know, and and make them such a big brand. I can see it. Okay, I can definitely see it. But I can I can see it in a way where the McMahon's are still going to be involved. You know, maybe maybe Vince will finally retire, and you know, 
Stephanie and Hunter and, and Nick Khan and a few of the other high-ranking executives come well, along as compare, part of this deal. Compared to, to Star Wars it. franchise. Yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or even to the UFC deal. When UFC, the Fertitta brothers sold UFC to, um, I don't even know who they sold it to. I think it was you know some billionaires out in the Middle East or some shit. Um, Dana White was a part of the package. He's still the president. He's still calling the shots. Right. He's still running the show. So to I some think degree, he was, but he has board members to answer to, just as WWE is. But I think that would oh pro- yeah, I would progress more as they 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 you know loosen their grips or reins. I think on the their, next major milestone for WWE once they get settled in after you know in the next year or two is selling the rights to air WrestleMania on broadcast television, like they do with the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and the World Series. And NBA, like if Fox got WrestleMania and it's commercial free yep. or limited no, commercials. commercials, you want to sell no, the advertising, the, right? You could sell the advertising in other ways. Okay. You have the picture in picture, but you could also sell the advertising. You know, this match is sponsored by Johnson and Johnson or oh, this well, match that's is something sponsored. that's something Vince never wanted to do, though. That's why he never put yeah, logos on the rings. But, well, correct, but if, if 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 eventually they want WrestleMania on a larger audience on broadcast television, he's going to have to make some sacrifices. Otherwise, you're going to have a commercial in every match. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to, it'll just be like a 3-hour episode of Raw. Yeah. So, you you're going to I mean, he's going to have to adapt. He's going to have to be some wiggle room. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I but I can, that I, can I think see that. that's the next big major milestone. And then that. from that point, then maybe that's where people start showing their interest. In purchasing the company, whether it's NBC or if it's Fox or if it's Disney or whoever, yeah. You know? Well, okay. Do you think there's all right? Let me let me give you a comparison here and a hypothetical okay. like question. Maybe you can answer. Okay. okay. The the WWE has the Universal Championship, and that's partly in yep. because they do do business with NBC Universal. Uh, I think because of that decision was made. Do you think that? Um, no, okay. I honestly don't. Okay. I don't right. think that that was because of NBC. I mean, they they've been doing business with NBC Universal for quite some time before um, the Universal Championship became a thing. I think they just that that was the name they came up with because they had been marketing the fan base as the WWE Universe. So mm-hmm. that was the championship mm-hmm. that was kind of recognized as like right. The WWE Universe's title. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Now, he, that's just how I look at it. All right. Now, this, if, if you have a company backing you, or like you say, to where the, the future of the advertising could go for WWE, almost in the way that it does with, uh, well, what they did with Army of the Dead, where zombies were in the ring um, and being involved with an advertisement. Uh, you know what I'm talking about with the Miz? Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, okay. Which they made seven figures off of that. Uh, I heard. Okay. So quick cash right there. But T TNT Championship. AEW has the TNT Championship. But isn't that show possibly getting moved to TBS? So I. That's the rumor. So that's either, yeah. That's the rumor. So either that or a problem with to properties and and companies and corporations and being in control of stuff like that. You're gonna have. Uh, interesting uh, titles of names of matches and involvement of, of things like that. And it's going to be like WCW 1990, 91 all over again, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know. Yeah, the rumor is they're supposed to go to TBS once they get the hockey deal because hockey. But who knows where they're going to put hockey? I mean, hockey's been in the last several years has been a staple on NBC Sports on Wednesday nights. Wednesday night's been hockey night. I know NBC or I know TNT does um, uh, uh, basketball right. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Fridays they're going to have that rampage show. So either they put Dynamite head to head on TNT on Monday nights with Raw Ooh. and 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 make another go of it or they go to TBS. It's either Mondays they go head to head with Raw or they keep on Wednesdays and NHL gets moved to another night. But the deal that the NHL has with Warner Media is huge. I don't think if anything AEW is the low hanging fruit that's going to be, you know, plucked off the tree and moved somewhere else. Yeah. And then we'll ultimately get a TBS champion, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Could be um, the true TV champion. You know, who knows? It could be the HBO Max champion. You know, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there we go. The, the sky's the, the limit prime, for championship belts. The prime champion. Delivered yeah, Amazon right Prime to you. heavyweight champion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, two boy. title defenses. Two, 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 two title defenses and, and <laughs> or free shipping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, Interesting, so. uh, interesting stuff going on there, and to see how the, it expands with uh, the pandemic and uh, quarantine being dropped, or, or you know, the pandemic at least somewhat lightening up, quote unquote, and then the quarantine, yeah. uh, you know, letting up in America more and more with uh, audiences being able to see venues. Um, I wonder if the New Japan um, move is in a way to try to gain more um, more TV distribution or more part of the deal to block AEW with their partnership with New Japan currently. What do you think? I don't necessarily know if it's a block. More or less, it's their... Uh, they've always wanted to tap into that market. But they want the exclusivity. Market. Correct, they do, okay? But I don't think it's done to... Me personally, I know you're not big on WWE, and 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 you know I know a lot of fans that will look at it like, and it it may seem obvious that when they want exclusivity, that means that they want you know AEW out of the picture. At the same time, they also had Chris Jericho on a network show with Steve Austin just mm. recently that you know blew the internet up. The forbidden door had been open. Okay, so I I, I don't think. It's for them to block AEW. More or less, it's for them to tap into the Japanese market and have that like foot in the door. Because there, before the pandemic, there was talk of doing an NXT Japan, and they were looking right. to buy like Pro Wrestling Noah yep. and a couple, you know, maybe a couple other different Japanese wrestling, smaller scale Japanese it wrestling. Was focused on Noah. To, I'm sorry. But they were looking to, you know, promote, you know, get like smaller Japanese promotions on board and kind of be their feeder system to NXT Japan. But with the pandemic, that thing that changed. Now I think it's more or less a working relationship to kind of tap into that market, but also to help NXT too. A lot of people thought, oh, this is going to be a thing where, you know, if if they work on, you know, if they come to an agreement, then Okada's going to come to Raw. He's going to wrestle this person, and then they're going to send guys over to Japan, etc. I never thought that. I always thought this was for the benefit of NXT and the NXT developmental brand or main roster brand now that they're on TV. Um, so I think this is more or less them trying to have a footprint on the Japanese wrestling market and then being associated with the biggest wrestling promotion in Japan isn't going to hurt their cause either. 
No. Now, and they've worked exclusive. together in, in the past, long time ago. Yes, and they, exactly. They've worked together in the past. And now, like I said, exclusivity with AEW, you know, being out of the picture and impact and those other promotions, you know, if it's to force them out. Yes, I can understand why people would feel that way, but I don't necessarily think that's the case because they wouldn't, if they didn't want AEW a part of that, then why would they have Chris Jericho on their network show? You know what I mean? Because he's a WWE what? legend, quote unquote. But he's the, he's he's their top star in AEW. He had their, so what? He's a WWE legend. You just had the, and then you allowed him to say the words AEW on their network show. You just gave them free advertisement. I'm I'm, I'm not sure. I was kind of confused by that too. Um, but I guess we will see where that goes. Um, I, I, to me personally, I think when they go to WrestleMania next year in Texas, don't be surprised if Goldust goes into the Hall of Fame and Cody's inducting him. That'd be surprising. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I think I think WWE making this move with New Japan, um, a lot of people thought it was because of Daniel Bryan, but... I don't think that's... That's what started it, I Yeah, I don't think that that's part of the the thing. I think it's what you're saying. It's feeder system for NXT, possibly having some of the guys go over there and work the the New Japan Strong show, Um, maybe even then working up to, you know... I mean, we have... We have Nakamura, but look what they did with him. So yeah. I don't, I don't know if Gato and Jado or you know the New Japan looking at this from a perspective of trading their talent, if it would necessarily help their talent out, or uh, if if it's also um, necessary for New Japan to do this because of money. And this this deal might not even work out. But New it Japan, might not. Yeah, New it's Japan. Still up in Desi- the air. New, New Japan is in the same situation as uh, WWE, if not worse, because they don't have that many places to tour, and that pandemic hit them very hard. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they took a beating. But I uh, also look at this too: the content from both sides. You can okay? swap WWE. WWE could you know license New Japan footage to use for specials on their network. Absolutely. Um, you know, also New Japan's been trying to put their footprint in the United States. Yep. Okay, with their with with some of their U.S. dates that they had, and they originally scheduled some, and I think because of COVID, they had to cancel. So now, you have the you, you could potentially see New Japan get help from WWE making their mark in the United States. Yeah, instead uh, of I mean, WWE NXT, we'd have WWE NJP. Yeah. I mean, it, I could see it happening. Like you said, it, it goes kind of hand in hand, but we'll see if this deal even goes through. Uh, negotiations yeah. are big for both companies. You have Bushi Road running um, uh, running New Japan, more or less, as the, the company that's in charge of them. And then you have NBC Universal, ultimately, and Vince McMahon. Uh, primaries of uh, WWE. So a lot of lot of big parts here, but this could be a big move um, for, for both oh, yeah. companies. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, it, it, it's it's interesting. Um, yeah. Well, um, a- any more topics or anything you got on your on your on your plate? No, I think I think my plate's full. I think my plate is uh, is cleaned off. I think we're. Uh, I licked it clean, so I think we're good. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. Was it deer meat, venison? Oh. oh <laughs> Bringing it back full yeah. circle. Let me tell you something. That deer was an expensive. Repair, I'll tell you that much. My insurance covered it, but when I looked at that bill, I was like, holy cow. Jeez. He did a number. Yeah, it was... Huh? He did a number more than uh, 
more than Brock Lesnar on the Cadillac. Oh yeah, for sure. It yeah. definitely did a number. I, I mean, I don't know. Cadillacs are expensive, so it might, it might, it might, you know, compare. But we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, I had a great time, Dave. Uh, let everybody know where we can find you one more time, and we will sign off. Uh, for me, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. It's the only way we can grow. Um, thanks for joining us, everybody. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter, kicking out at two. You can uh, hit the like button on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, archive shows, pictures, uh, articles, things like that. You can find over there, Nostalgic Pro Wrestling at its finest. Uh, you know, uh, I, I mean, I know the last few months have been a little crazy with my work schedule. Activity on the pages have not been the greatest, but um, hopefully as uh, things are picking up in the wrestling world, I'll be a little bit more active and I get a better handle on my schedule. And uh, hopefully you guys will be active with me too over there on Facebook and Twitter. So that is that. All right. Take care, everybody. <laughs>